Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 124 of the Speaking Club podcast. Back in the 16th century, as Michelangelo was finishing the statue of David, someone walking past suggested that there was a likeness between the artist and the sculpture. Michael said, Sure there is. He's a chip off the old block. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hello, I hope you're well and thanks for joining me again on The Speaking Club. If you're a regular listener, you'll have heard me use artists and artwork as a metaphor for speakers and our talks. So, I thought it would be interesting to bring an artist onto the show to talk about their own story creation process. Jade Jeffers is a beachcombing artist who sells her work all over the world. I first saw her work in January and fell in love with the way she mixed the media and added humour to her pictures to create little stories. I bought two pieces from the gallery and in February... I contacted her to commission a picture to give us a Valentine's present for my partner, Emma. Jade did a fantastic job and we got talking and she agreed to come onto the show. Jade left the city to slow down and fight a progressive illness. And after she moved to the coast, she not only rekindled her love of art, but she found contentment in her life. In transitioning to be an artist, Jade also had to become an entrepreneur and realised that in order to sell her work, she needed to speak. In this show, Jade's talking about her journey, how she finds the stories behind her pieces and shares tips on finding yours. But before I switch over to my chat with Jade, I wanted to encourage you to check out my seven-day Snackable Story Challenge. As I have told you before, snackable stories can be used on every marketing medium and platform and are especially effective for video. This challenge is for you if you're an online entrepreneur, author, expert or coach and you want to make your videos, your lives, podcasts or webinars more powerful and you want to build your tribe more effectively when you speak. It's a mix of resources and training with me that will give you new skills, confidence and a tangible result in just seven days. And it's completely free. So if you want to find out more and sign up, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge. Okay, let's hear from Jade. Jade Jeffers, welcome to the Speaking Club podcast. Thank you. I'm really pleased to have you here. I've told the story of how we met already. Um, So, but you are an artist. I am. Can you tell me, had you always wanted to be an artist? And how did you get into it? Okay, so when I was younger, I was always arty. Um, And funnily enough, when I was really young, when you go to the beach, you make sandcastles, don't you? My dad used to make the sandcastles so meticulously, and I wasn't allowed to touch things that I didn't join in the sandcastles. I made pictures with the stones in the sand. So in a way, I did it all those years ago. Um, and then at school I did, uh, I was, um, it, my art teacher even used to buy me equipment. So he said he saw something in me. 
Um, my mum is artistic. She's a, a painter. And my stepdad is a graphic designer. So kind of been around art all of my life. I opted at 16 to go into graphic design instead of art. Yeah. One, because at that point in time, it was money. Yes. <laughs> graphic design was where you went to go and get some money. Um, so I did my apprenticeship and then the, re- the recession hit. So I then went to go and work in a big corporate company. And I did a bit of graphic design there, but realistically, I kind of didn't do much of it. I did a lot of layout type work, wordy type documents and, and graphs and drawings to go in those documents, but not artistic in, in the way of being arty. But that gives you the option then to start doing it outside of work. Because if you right. do art at work all the time, the last thing you want to do is go home and get a paintbrush out and start painting or get a pencil out and start drawing uh then I I got quite ill right um so I slowed myself down (laughs) and then I went and got a job at university Uh but the art department was right next door to me (laughs) so I got right back into it again and I was like oh this is really amazing and then my parents moved down to the coast then I got ill again but I also got made redundant at the same around the same time so it was gave me the option to come down coming down meant I had no friends down here I literally knew my parents that was it I'm on my own I'm not attached or anything like that so I got myself a part-time job at the hospital but I knew I didn't want to work in an office full-time in the meantime while I was looking for the right job I started doing the pictures again because my auntie and uncle said oh look we saw these they went to Italy and they said, we saw these pictures and it reminded us of you when you was a child. Mm-hmm. And they took a, take a photo of the, and I, they're all over the internet, actually, these particular ones. I think it's a particular artist over there, but they do very elaborate ones and they're extremely heavy, apparently, and huge. <laughs> um, but, you know, like just to do a person will have like 20 different tiny little pebbles to kind of almost like you've got joints. So like yeah. there's a pebble, pebble. So I was like, oh, yeah, but that's a bit busy, isn't it? For me, I like the way I do it because it's simple. Not in an easy way, but in a it allows your mind to get a little bit more carried away as well, the, the person who's the recipient. Yeah. And um, and it allowed me also to do, do a little bit of drawing in there as well, and more and more so nowadays because people are asking me, could you just draw this with that? For instance, I did a card yesterday. Um, someone is giving... <laughs> a lawnmower to someone for their birthday during lockdown so I couldn't work out how to get a card of a lawnmower so I've done a pebble person and I drew the lawnmower (laughs) on the card um so yeah it's just little things like that and so it's allowed me to to bring out my drawing and do my beach combing and it all went from there and I love beach combing so so it's interesting isn't it something you said there is resonating with with me in terms of some of the stuff, some of the personal development stuff that I'm doing at the moment, which is almost that you gave up what potentially was a more lucrative career mm. in order to focus on your self-care yeah. and what makes you happy. Yeah. Is that true? Yes, definitely. definitely. It was a very, I don't know about you, but it was a really difficult decision to make mm. because. Um, but coming, but moving away from my friends up in Surrey in London kind of helped because 
up there. You you just keep going out, you keep going shopping, you keep doing this, you keep doing that. So you have to earn the money to be able to do that. So for me, actually, it was probably handy that I moved away at the same time as sort of making that decision. But it was a decision that needed to be made because I possibly wouldn't have been quite as ill just before I moved down if I'd done it before then. (laughs) Because I think maybe I tried to fight being ill to continue the lifestyle that I thought I was enjoying, which I I think I was enjoying it, but I enjoy my lifestyle now better. That's what I was going to ask you. How do you, do you feel different about yourself and your life now? Yeah. Compared to before? I'm much more relaxed. I'm more relaxed now. Um, Things don't get to me so much mm-hmm. you know um and I can deal with it when I'm unwell uh, I can deal with it much easier and actually my um so I've got a, an illness which means that I will slowly progressively get worse mm-hmm. and um but that has slowed down so much since moving away since slowing down since doing this doing the art is so relaxing for me you know if I'm having a day where I'm feeling really low because I've been really ill for two weeks or three weeks or whatever, or I'm feeling like I'm coming down with something. I sometimes come in the studio and, or go on the beach and do some beach combing and it makes you feel so much better. And actually I'm sure that there are times where I thought I was getting ill and done those things and not actually got ill. Because if you can work yourself up about something, it actually just allows your body to get run down, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Um, for me, it's definitely made a difference. And also, I'm much more picky about people I allow in my life now. Yes. I don't stumble along anymore. I, I kind of make decisions for myself. Whereas I think when there's a lot of rat racy around you, suddenly you've got these friends and you're like, "How do, I can't even remember how I met you. You know, I don't even know. But we go drinking. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 But they're not necessarily... Yeah, I thought they're friends, but I think they're more acquaintances. Mm. So do you feel content? I feel a lot more content down here. I'm not um, 100% content. Mm. Uh, It would be nice to be with someone. Yeah. Apart from the fact that I'm single still, I'm contented. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. It would be nice. Yes. That would be kind of like the icing on the cake. That's fascinating. It's really good to hear that you're doing something which you know fuels your passion and mm. makes you feel happy and you know yeah, some of the I, material things we think make us happy aren't necessarily what actually do so. yeah yeah I mean I'm actually not doing so much art while we've been in lockdown and I think it's because I don't want to do it and not share it with every everybody yeah I was like because all these markets and events were getting cancelled and and I love those because mm. they're where I get to go and talk to people who are either like-minded because they're creative or are customers who like what or want to come and talk to me about what I've done sometimes not in a positive way but I like to try and change their minds a little bit and if I can't I can't and that's fine you'll get the one person that will come over and go, it's just a load of pebbles really isn't it <laughs> <laughs> or oh god my daughter could do this okay you carry on <laughs> but but they make me laugh and, and you know, 
something else will make them happy. Yeah. My art makes me happy. And, and nine times out of 10, there'll be someone stood next to that person going, I love your art, you know, and it makes me feel, yeah, I'm doing this for a reason and not just for me, but actually for other people. It makes them happy too. Yeah. And I've always been about that. I've always been about trying to please people. Yeah. But now I get to please people by being happy in the first place. Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Especially with art, it's so subjective. And people do underestimate how uh, complex something sim- to make something clean and simple <laughs> is actually quite complex. But yes. um, let we'll come on to that. So, what made you choose beachcombing art? I mean, I don't, is that is that what it's actually called? Yeah. Well, that's what I call it. Some people call it pebble art. Right. But I didn't want to call it pebble art because then it restricted me. Not I can't use, as far as I was concerned, I then couldn't use shells or I couldn't use the feathers off of the seagulls or yeah. the seaweed or whatever because it's not pebble art. If I'm, it's beachcombing art. I find yeah. the stuff. Plus, I have found there's been some people that do do pebble art and, yes, they do use pebbles only. They buy their pebbles and make pebble art. <laughs> oh. But they're open about that a lot of yeah. the time, most of the time, in fact. They say, you know, I, and their pebbles are so perfect, which is why I started thinking, you know, you don't find very many of those perfect pebbles. You find lots of slight irregularities, which is the bit I like, actually. Yeah. Um, it's perfect for me because it's got an irregularity in it. Yeah. Um, so I decided if I was going to do it, it was going to have to be from beachcombing. So what I do to pay back to the beach is uh, I take a black bag for rubbish and I take a little doggy bag, like a poo bag, yeah. <laughs> size bag, um, for collecting each time I go. Sometimes I don't even put very much in there because I might be thinking, oh, I don't actually need anything at the moment. But I have one at all times. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case. Um but I always pick up rubbish, always. I mean, there's been far less rubbish lately, which is great. But there are days where you come back with half half a black bag of rubbish wow. just from half an hour walking on the beach. So I, so I do that, which makes me feel better about the fact that I'm taking the odd pebble. And every time I find a stone that I bring home because I think, oh, that's so nice, or the colour, or it's, it looks like a heart, or if it doesn't fit in the thickness of the frame, it goes back on the beach. Oh, wow. So, because someone said to me, but you're stealing from the beach. And I said, well, I'm giving back as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've, t- I've taken things off the beach, but we had to do it. I love uh, collecting the shells so much that I've been told that I have to do one in, one out at the moment. So, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, good. And how do you find, like, as you're walking along the beach, how do you find the objects that become your artwork, are you specifically looking out for certain things or do things just call to you as you walk along? Okay, sometimes it's because of something specific. So, for instance, when I first started, someone said to me, oh, I've seen you do this picture. It had a black cat in it, but I've got a ginger cat. Could you do me a ginger cat? And I had been drawn constantly to the black or the white pebbles, constantly. So when I looked through my very small amount but at that point, I was like, oh, I've got any gingery coloured. I'll have to go and find some. <laughs> so that's when I started picking up other colours because I was like, oh, actually, do you know what? If I actually ignore the black pebbles now, there are some really nice pebbles, a bit like marble sometimes, you know. So on that occasion, and since then on other occasions, I've gone out looking. Much harder to find things when you're looking for them, though. 
Oh, that's interesting. Because it's a big beach and and actually because you're trying to focus on one thing, you're looking and actually you scan far more because you're thinking, oh, I don't look at the black stones. And then as a result, you start stop looking. Sometimes I'll just be walking along or I might even sit down for five minutes and I'll just be looking like this. And then you'll just see a stone and you think, oh, that's bird shaped or that could be a head or that could be legs. <laughs> I've got a box that's just specifically stones that look like legs, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> What's very strange is when you pick up a stone and you go, oh, legs, like if my mum's down the beach with me or something, can I go, mum, I've I found legs. And she, you know someone's going to tell and I go, what? <laughs> my mum will go, great. <laughs> no, it's just a pebble. So, yeah, it's like a little language between us that no one else gets to get involved in. Sweet, that's sweet. But yeah, so I mostly go looking, I mostly go to look to see what wants to come home with me oh I like that that's how I look at it anyway and then and then what I wanted to talk to you about because obviously the reason that I got you on the show was around particularly around how you create stories from these pieces that you find because people don't often think you know in in speaking that they have anything interesting to share or you know in terms of their own stories so I wondered if you could share the process you go through for creating the story for, for the pieces of artwork that you create from the things you find? Um, so sometimes, as you know, I'll talk with the person, find out something about them. Now, in your mm. case, when I did a picture for you, it was really simple because you had a specific thing in mind as, as well. Yeah. But of course, I've had to then formulate that in my head to be how I envisioned you envisioning it, yes. <laughs> if you like. Yes. So, um, it, sometimes it's about having a bit of rapport with the person to get the idea from them, but even though they sometimes don't even know they're giving you the idea. Yeah. But sometimes you might just chat with them and go, so what sort of things do you like? And Or if it's a gift for someone else, so, so what are they into? Or that sort of thing. Um, with regards to when it's, I haven't got a specific person asking for something and I've got to come up with something, it's really weird, but quite often it'll be a stone or often a piece of driftwood that will just tell you what it's going to be. Right. <laughs> makes me sound like a right weirdo. <laughs> but, so I was on a beach yeah. one time and I found this piece of wood. Now I was with two girls that were visiting from Kent, my mum and a local friend. And I picked it up and went, oh, what do you think this looks like? And the two friends from Kent went, a piece of wood. <sighs> and they weren't wrong. And my mum went, Oh, it could be, I think she said something along the lines of um, a fin or something for, a, a, you know, a, um, jaws or something. But the other friend who beach cones with me quite a lot and loves doing it because she gets to walk her dog at the same time as kind of walking with me. She said, I know what you're going to make that into. And I said, has it got scaly tail? And she went, yes. And this shirt, this piece of wood, I kid you not, was the shape of the fin of a mermaid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Immediately. And as soon as I said, because I, I realised when I held it like that, I was actually holding one of the fins. So when I did that, my mum had seen a point. Then when I flipped it over, she went, oh, my God, it so is. And I couldn't do anything with that bit of wood until I found all the pieces I needed to make that one mermaid. I'll never be able to make another mermaid like her because I'll never find another bit of wood like that. And I should have kept it because I like mermaids, but I sold it. Never made one before. I've made some little ones since, um, but nothing 
as lovely as that one was. <laughs> and so did you did you have like and when you put that together, that sort of into, created the art, that piece of artwork with the mermaid. Did you have like did you have a sort of background story in your mind for what she yeah. was doing? And so how <laughs> yeah. did it like what she happened? Red hair. She had to have red hair. Had to. So I had to find some seaweed that had that was red. Mm-hmm. And then that took a little bit of a process because at that point I hadn't been really using a lot of seaweed. I'd used a bit, um, but not the type where it needed to be a bit more flowy. Uh, so the, the brittle stuff that I kind of use as little trees, mm-hmm. I'd used that and I'd used um, the young sponge, as they call it, because it's a bit more sort of firm than the sponge like we know it. Um, but I had never used the seaweed. that It, it almost looks a little bit like leather. Yeah. It's really weird. So I don't generally play around with the things I'm using, but every time I put this seaweed on her head, I was like, no, she's got brown hair. She can't have brown. It just looks like a clump of seaweed on her head. So I was talking with a lady who said that she wanted to buy it when it was done. And I said, um, you see, the problem is I, I see always red hair. <laughs> and she said, no, red hair would be perfect for her. And I said, well, here's the problem. So I showed her a photo. And I said, see, and I said, and all the red seaweed is that brittle stuff, which is like a tree. So I said, but I could try and dye it. (laughs) Have you ever tried dyeing seaweed? (laughs) You have to use food colour. I'm telling you that now. So I said to her, look, you know, so I don't like to play around with the things, but that doesn't mean that I can't and won't. For instance, um, when I do a robin, I paint a red belly on it. So yeah. I'm not really taken away from the thing it is. The only way you could do it with the seaweed was I d- did food dye because then it didn't take away any of the texture. So it no. still looked like the original piece of seaweed. You could still see that it was seaweed, which is what it needed to be. Yeah. So I got this, re- it was beautiful, this red hair that was sort of flowing down. And then I needed to know that she could do that with her fin you know yeah as if she was sitting on this big rock kind of brushing her hair and stuff and in my head and I remember watching just as I was finishing sticking her down I put the little mermaid on because I just (laughs) needed to sing the songs (laughs) 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 needed to sing the songs to just feel that mermaid moment you know yeah yeah and so was she was she sitting on a rock was she um no in the end we I kind of did this little sort of um very slight bit of sea in the background as if she was sort of just coming out of the sea. Have to Maybe she's like laying on the edge of the, the wash. Yeah. But she didn't want very much in it. And a, and a rock would have been quite, it would have taken away from her a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I loved it. I would love to find that bit of wood again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. You may, it may come come back yeah. again in some other, so in it, some other way. So the, I suppose the answer to your question is, sometimes the thing tells me what it's going to be and then I have to make the story up and then I have to make the story work. In terms of aesthetically, yes, cool. And have there been any pieces of work that have generated a character that you've used again? Um, probably the birds. And right. So that sounds really simple because they're, but it's it's the cheekiness of the birds. So yeah. so many people say to me, "Oh, I love the character in your birds," because I'm like, it's just because a bird essentially is quite literally just one pebble with my drawing around it. Yes, it's how I apparently it's how I choose the right stone for the the angle that the bird is at or um what it's going to be doing or the fact that because if it's going to stand on a piece of 
rock or piece of slate, let's say, if it's going to stand on there, it'd look really odd if it had one leg longer than the other without it bending its knee. Yeah. You don't really see birds bending their knees, but I'll draw it with its bending knee. Or yeah. I'll have it stand on one leg and have one leg sticking out. And, and people love the humour in that. And I do these long frames whenever I can find a bit of wood that is flat enough to fit in those frames that's long. I'll do one where it's got loads of birds walking along it or two where it's got them jumping or whatever. I always, always, you should have a look, always put one going the wrong direction. Right. It's just my little thing. I love the idea that there's a naughty one in there. Yeah. Um, I think deep down, if I thought about it properly, my mum has always been naughty. <laughs> <laughs> like if you tell her not to do something, she'll just give you that look and you're like, oh, she's going to do it. And and I've kind of grown up with that sort of being the mum and of to, to her, and I think that that I allow that naughty bit to come in to sort of like, and of course I'm probably a little bit like her and just don't like to admit it. So it's, it's a, a bit of an average situation going on. With oh, you totally, well. <laughs> totally. Except that I'm not quite as boring as she is, but yeah, she, <laughs> but she, yeah, she's very very naughty, and as a result, um, yeah, I had to grow up being like the grown up. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, so the birds for me are probably the thing, I think. That's the thing I get commented on the most. Although a lot of people have started talking more and more and more about my cows. Oh, I don't think I've seen your cows. I'll have to have a, I'll have to have a yeah, look. have a look, a look. online. Oh. They're cute. <laughs> they're jersey cows. Every time they're jersey cows because then it's the black and white thing right. and you can't help. Uh, no, I do. The birds are, are brilliant. Um, yeah. Really, really good. Well, you, all your yeah. stuff is lovely. I, I think it is that there is that the, that story and that character comes through. Yeah, uh, in each piece. And yeah. Sort well, of, see, yeah, and a lot of people say that they, if they meet me at markets or events, they actually said I've had people buy off me at markets events. They said they possibly wouldn't have bought off bought that art without me being there because they had they felt like they had a bit of me in the picture you know like and the fact that I was so in love with my own art and you know if I felt like I was allowing them to buy it from yeah. me rather than oh go on please buy my bit of art I was like, are you sure you want it because you know only have it if you really like it you know yeah. that sort of thing because I, I don't want people to buy it out of pity and I don't want people to buy it just because they feel they should I want people to buy it because they really got what it was about yeah that connection yeah definitely and people say that when I'm at the events which is why I'm missing the events so much I think because when you're at the events you get to have that rapport with the customer so what's your sort of more sales you know I know that sounds dreadful because it makes it sound like I'm just about the sales but um often that means that someone will go actually do you know what I was thinking about that one over there and I think I'm going to have both now just through talking and they get the feel of the bird that was doing the thing and whatever. <laughs> so, so when you, in terms of your, since you've been doing this and your comfort level with, with doing those sorts of exhibitions and meeting people, how, was it, was it, were you scared when you first started doing it? And tell me about yeah. that journey. So I've worked in consultancy. I worked in consultancy for 20 years. I had to do presentations. I had to, um do inductions I worked on inductions for years um and then towards the end I actually was a project manager so I was leading teams yeah um 
but when I got ill, I got and I and I also got divorced. I lost a lot of my confidence, uh-huh. and so and also then um, I remember I went to one event just to try it out, little like a church hall type thing, and this little old lady came in and she and she was the first person to come to my table, and she was one of those that said, "Yeah, but it's just a pile of stones, isn't it?" <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, I need to go home now. <laughs> and it took me ages to book another one. But but in the meantime, other people were giving me praise and actually had ordered some and stuff like that. So I thought, you know what, I just, I'm just i going to have to throw myself in. I, got, I can't I either need to do this or I don't. If I don't do it for others, I'll just do it for me. And that's fine. I've got lots of walls. I can fill my walls. It's not like I will not do it, but it would be nicer to share it. Um, so one day I made the conscious decision to book a more expensive one that I couldn't get my money back if I chickened out. And I went, I think I even, I'm sure it was my mum, I got to come along with me. I said, you don't have to be with me all the time, but just be around. Um, which is what she did when she goes off talking to everyone. Um, and it was amazing. And I, it was actually, it was architectural plants in um, Pulborough. And I, I'd taken something that was a whole day event. I'd never done a whole day event either. I'd done like a two, three hour thing. This was a whole day event. I had no clue if my staff was going to go down well. I remember getting there and looking at other people's things going, who's going to buy my stuff? You know, like because I had this lack of confidence. Impossible. I knew I liked my stuff, but was other people going to like my stuff? And I, I remember taking 25 pictures and coming home with two. Wow. And people were seeing the boxes underneath and going, have you got more? And I was like, nope. <laughs> I really wish I did, but nope. <laughs> wow. It was really weird. And yeah, it got my confidence up a little bit more. But I still have that nervous moment. I still have that like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, and I go to, I did some events last year, which I was meant to do at Easter this year, another one. A three-day event. That's massive because you've got to take... 120 pictures with you it doesn't mean you're going to sell them all but what it means is you've got variety yeah and also if it does start to go quick then obviously you've got more to put out but it just means you've got some variety and because you know that the minute you don't go there with someone with with a cow picture someone will go do you do cows <laughs> yes it's under the table you know that sort of thing so I always take a load if I'm going to go to a big one but I went there with these big pile of them and I was like, oh God. And at the beginning of the day, it was really hot last year at Easter. And at the beginning of the day, there was no one coming through. And I was like, oh my God. But I went and had to wander around and I said to people, are you busy? And they were like, no. I was like, it's not just me then. And then suddenly, it was almost like lunch happened and then suddenly they all came. And uh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And on the second day, it was so hot that there wasn't, people just weren't buying because they were so hot but I felt like I went home with as much in my pocket as the day before because I got so many comments and people asking for my card and just feedback and people talking to me about it and yeah it was just the most amazing feeling so I, I love going to the events I do sell my art elsewhere but I love going to the events and people say to me well surely you don't need to do the events and I'm like I like the events so, so do you have like a, a sort of set pitch that you sh- you use to talk to people, or do you just um, vary what you say depending on what uh, people say to you? Well, it varies on the t- on, on the body language of the person that's coming over. So, there's some that will come over and just sort of like 
graze it with their eyes. Um, and then there's others that will come over and they'll really show a lot of interest. But sometimes in those cases, you'll get a couple come over and one of them will go, oh, I love these. And you can see that person. The other person has gone. Yeah. This person's not going to get to buy anything, right? <laughs> because that person's already gone. There's no point in me wasting my time on this. I'll talk to them um, to interact with them because I want to hear their comments, but I won't, I suppose, do a salesy type pitch because I don't want them to buy something just because they need to race off and catch up with their partner yeah. or their mum or whatever. Um, so I, yeah, I would say I don't have a set pitch. However, I do definitely read people. So... From from your experience of finding these stories, have you got any tips for people? I know it's a different medium for finding stories, you know, in 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 their life or in everyday objects or things like that. Have you got any tips for sort of you know being in the state even for for being open to it? Yeah. Um, so I think that um, the best thing you can do is just clear your mind. If you want to be creative, then. Don't be thinking about what's for dinner while you're trying to think about what you might like to do to be creative. Yeah. Um, dinner will happen. <laughs> you know, it'll happen. And if not, there's a takeaway out the road. Yeah. But but the creative part might not happen if you don't open your mind up. And also, um, definitely, I definitely do better art when I'm happier with myself. Um, so if I'm in a bad mood, I won't even come in the studio. Like if I've been at work and it's been a really rubbish day and I might have needed to come into the studio to do something, there's no point because I know that what I'm going to make tomorrow, I'm going to hate it. Right. It doesn't come out. So you have to find a space to do it. And I don't mean, well, physically works too, but you have to find a space where you are in the right frame of mind, I suppose. And again, that sounds a bit like sort of hippy dippy, but it's not about that. It's just that, you know, I do know that I have done art where I've had to rush it because I'm thinking, oh my God, I've got an event and I forgot to do pictures, blah, blah, blah. Throwing some pictures together and I've gone there and I've not even wanted to put them out because, and I've actually halved my stall, like put less tables out or less shelving out or whatever, because I just don't want to put those out. I know I don't like them. Yeah. And, uh, and, and equally, if it gets to the point where I have to put them out to fill the space, I can't even like if a customer comes over and they might be looking I don't even won't even point at those ones because <laughs> I wouldn't want someone to have them and I would never sell something unless I was happy with it I'd never give something away unless I was happy with it because I give them as gifts as well if I know the person likes them yeah um so yeah I think that helps uh and with regards to like finding it in yourself to come up with some stories I find that sometimes the story comes from just being around or um sometimes I'll look around on like the, just on the internet like I'll, I might put in birds let's say and so it'll come up with loads of things but eventually there's going to be one photo or painting you know like a big painting that's just going to go do you know what I, I bet I could pr- produce something like that with that sort of kind of, with my pebbles yeah so it doesn't you don't have to be replicating the thing you saw it can be the thing that just makes your mind go oh god I could do that you know well I've never thought to put a bird on the back of a hippo or you know just things like that I think yeah sometimes I've seen photos and gone I bet I bet I could do that I bet I could make a picture out of that 
Yeah, that's brilliant. And it doesn't then, always work. <laughs> but it's worth a try, isn't it? Absolutely. And then that first time that you thought about, you know, you mentioned about your mum being cheeky and and that sort of coming through in the in the bird. Was there a memory of your mum, a specific memory that sparked that off? Or have you got lots Not, of stories? Yeah, loads. Loads. I could write a book on her. Honestly, she is the cheekiest mare. All of my friends want her as their mum. Yeah. Because she's not like a mum at all. Um, yeah, she's just cheeky. But um, the older I've got, the more I've got like her. So, and every now and then I think, oh no, don't be like her. But I've got a child <laughs> to embarrass, so it's all right. I can do what I like. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's all sorts of things like she used to, um, we went to Little Hampton uh, years and years and years ago. And they used to have this... Um, like a helter skelter, but it was a water one. Yeah. yeah. So she didn't have beach. She didn't have bikini or anything like that. So she just went on it, tucked her shorts into her knickers. She had a boob tube on. You heard her coming all the way down, and then she and you heard the scream as she went in. And as she came up, there's this little. I'm outside waiting because I'm too young to go on it. Right. There's this little old man stood next to me. I was, how he didn't have a heart attack, I don't know, because as she came out, like, woo, like that, the boob tube was round her waist. <laughs> and she didn't get all embarrassed. She went, oh, look. And still, you know, like 30 seconds later, it still hasn't been pulled back up. And you're like, mum. So that was, <laughs> my upbringing was like that. She and my step- his day. Oh, that little old fella. Thing. Yeah, he did have a big old smile on his face and his wife went, like that, you know, slap. <laughs> <laughs> so it's little things like that, always. And even now, she's naughty. She sounds a lot of fun. Sounds like oh my God, of... she's so much fun. So much fun. We're so close. And, that's, and that is a big part of it. But she always says to me, I don't know how you get the ideas. And I do sometimes sit there and think, some of them come from you, mum. Like... <laughs> Where it's out in the world now. I know. There you go. <laughs> and my mum will listen to this. <laughs> cool. Okay, good. Right, I've got some standard questions. Before we talk about how people can find your work yeah. and get hold of your work. Um, so it, I guess, you know, you've done speaking in your career before mm-hmm. you switched to this and now you speak um, to sell your work effectively. So what is what would you say the best thing that speaking has done for you? Give me confidence. Mm. Definitely. I def I'd lost my way before, definitely. And it's definitely made me get confident. Also, it's made me settle into down here mm. much more because um I have to talk to people. And as a result, you get some sort of connection with that person and it makes you more confident to then talk to the next person, then the next person. And, and as a result, I then started making friends with other storeholders and made friends, friends with them. And I now have friends that are I classes, they will be forever friends. Yeah. So Definitely. I think confidence would be the word of the day for me. Excellent. Yeah. And then have you had, whether it was in your corporate career or, or perhaps one of the events that you've been at, like a, a worst experience speaking, they were like, oh no, that was awful. Well... Yeah, in my corporate. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept getting this person's name wrong. And it was just, you know, like, I was meant to be presenting with them, right? And and let's just say, I can't remember their name, but see again. But so say they was called Bob 
and I wanted to call him Jim all the way through it. So Jim will explain this bit now. And then he'd say, so thanks, Jade. Right. My name's Bob. So like just to remind me. <laughs> so then he'd pass it back to me. So I'd do my bit and he'd say, so Jim would like to now do this bit. And he'd be like, so at the end he was like, right. So anyway, so thanks. This is um, Jim Bob, you know. <laughs> I, I just can't. Names are a bit of a problem for me, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I think that was probably the most embarrassing moment. And the second most embarrassing would probably be a similar event where I got very drunk the day before. Uh, and I just looked like death. And so it wasn't about what I said. It was just about how I looked and that they'd all been in the bar with me. <laughs> so it was pointless anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> right, next question. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the one book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? Do you know what? Someone asked me this question not that long ago. Well, asked me of a book that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. And I said, I actually gave two, but I think if I had to say name one, mm-hmm. it was Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and it's just because at the time, it was just before I did that A-level. And at the time I used to, I think I had a very London way about me, which was I made an opinion or I made a decision about everything before looking at everything. And Catching the Rye made me question so much that I was like, why have I not been asking these questions before? Like, why have I not? And it really, at first it was a slow burner. And then when it took me, it really just took me. Yeah really weird um the other one was to kill a mockingbird right um and I think again for probably very similar things because obviously that was all about a lawyer who was representing someone who everyone else thought was totally guilty yeah um and uh, the fact that he looked into it differently so I think it was a little bit of the same again and when I did that a level from there onwards I then progressed much quicker in my career and my confidence and it's quite interesting because the fact that you're able to see things from a different perspective to other people is basically what underpins the art yes. that you do. Yeah. Coming yeah. full circle. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> cool. Um, what's the best bit of business advice you've had? Oh, what? gosh. Um, right. Yes. Okay. Don't, don't push yourself any further than you feel comfortable. Okay. Because if you, in business, when you're working for a company, it's okay because there's people to fall back on. When you're doing a business for yourself, um, there isn't anybody. And if you push yourself too far, if you if you book yourself up too much or if you just commit yourself too much, those horrible pictures come out, those pictures that you didn't want to sell or show or whatever, because you had to get them out quickly. So the best thing to do is to just not, Go with what feels comfortable rather than, and you can push yourself a little bit on that, but what I mean is comfortably. Yeah. Don't go, oh no, I shouldn't be doing this. Because the minute you get there, you're already in the bad frame, right? Like you're already in a bad place, aren't you? You're already not ready to sell. You already know that the art you bought with you isn't the best art you've ever done. You know, I'd feel embarrassed to sell it if I was in that frame of mind. That's really interesting, actually, because that's a big thing that people forget about. And I, I don't know if I've read this right from what you said, but quite often um, when we start up a business, we'll be like, sell, 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 yes. sell. But we haven't set up the business to fulfill 
on yes. what we've sold. So then, yes. you know, that can actually put businesses under in yeah. terms of, yeah. you know, not being they able promise to something sell. they can't give. Yeah, and, and it's just in terms of supply and also in terms of reputation and all sorts. Yeah. So that's a really, that's a really yeah. good thing. And I think when I was in consultancy, what you do in consultancy is sell, sell, sell. Mm. And don't worry about, because I worked in, in the um, proposals team. So we did the sell, sell, sell. And then you have these consultants that had to go in for three years and work in another company to try and do the thing you'd sold. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, and you saw them come back from that three years, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, never sell a job to that company again." You know, that sort of yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, I don't think it was the company; I think it was us. Yeah. <laughs> over over promising and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's very that's very good. That's a good piece of advice. Last question then: If you could have one mentor, and they can be alive or dead, fictional right. or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? I have a mentor, but he's he's not alive anymore. Right. Um, he's actually my granddad. Uh, and it's not because of business reasons at all. It's to do with confidence and um, self-appreciation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I even have a tattoo oh, <laughs> to represent him. So uh, my granddad had MS for 52 years before he died. And he always smiled always even when he was unwell he would crack a joke uh and the day before he died for instance he, they said to him he said will i be out before tomorrow this was in the morning and they said no and he went but well, that means i don't get to have a guinness on st patrick's day my granddad didn't drink guinness he didn't even care that it was st patrick's day he just needed to know that they needed to know that he would have liked to have been out by st patrick's day he died on st patrick's day um, so we raise a Guinness to him every year and we remind him and we'll have it we know you wouldn't but he used to say to me when I first got ill he used to say to me um, don't let it beat you because when it beats you that's when it goes faster um, and that's what was happening when I was in London and Surrey I was letting it beat me because I was I was trying to fight it and then I'd think but granddad wouldn't wouldn't have wanted me to do that he would have said no 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 no. slow down do this do that he wasn't about some people used to say to me oh just don't go out don't go out dancing I'd be like but I need to because that's me they'd be like yeah but you're ill now no I'm not going to stop life just because I've now got an illness I'm gonna keep going I just need to do it differently maybe not go out every Saturday night yeah I'm gonna go out and I used to go out and then I used to go around to my granddad and I'd say to him I went out last night, he go, I can tell. Yeah. And he go, but you look happy. So that's the important part. And that was it. So for me, it was him. Always. He was just everything to me. My hero. That's lovely. That's for lovely. sure. And he would love my art. He would love my art. Excellent. And everything I do, I think, would granddad like this? Would he approve of this? Would he do that? You know? That's brilliant. Cool. Okay, Jade. Now, so if people want to... Do, do you ship internationally? That's the first question. Yep. Yep. I've shipped to um, China, Japan, Australia, America, quite a few countries in Europe, all over and in this country. The only ones I can't ship easily are the long pictures that I do. Yeah. Simply because it seems the shape just doesn't work. I've tried all sorts of ways of shipping it. I've tried all sorts of ways of packaging it. Just doesn't seem to work. Half get there okay and half don't. But everything else I ship. 
Brilliant. Okay. And so where can people find your stuff? Where's the best place to go? Online. I have a website. (laughs) So www.jjsbeachcombingart.com. Really simple. Uh, I'm on Facebook. So again, you just do the at sign, JJ's Beachcombing Art. All one word though. And same on Instagram. Exactly the same, in fact. Um, And I advertise if I'm at an event. I advertise if I've got uh, a new venue that I'm going to sell out, even if it's just for a month or if it's longer term or whatever. Um, and then on top of that, I sell at a few venues as well. So I also, I do events, um, but I, I look, I always, um, advertise every event that I'm going to go along to. And I always advertise who else is going to be there as well. Cause it's not just about me yeah. and it's a nice day out. Um, and I also sell at some venues now. God, that's smashing. So lots of places. Well, I'll yes. put the link in the show notes to your website and, yeah. uh, and so people can go online and find your stuff. Smashing. That's brilliant, Jade. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your stories uh, you. and your your own story. And yeah, and, and the tips. Sorry for the talk too much. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we'll, put the links. <laughs> we'll put the links in the show notes there as well. Smashing. Thank you so much. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Take care, Jade. Bye. Bye-bye. I love that Jade is completely authentic and her mum sounds brilliant. Please go and check out her stuff. It really is lovely. I'm sure you're going to like it. Okay, so next week is part two in the three-part series on speaking to get more leads. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you do so so you don't miss out. And thanks again for joining me. And if you did like the show, make sure you leave a review and don't forget to go and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. Snackable stories are short, powerful, engaging, and very shareable. Because of all that, they are great to use in Facebook Lives, podcasts, videos, keynotes, webinars, blogs, in fact, everywhere to share your message, build your audience, and grow your business. The trouble is that finding your snackable stories and confidently sharing them can feel like a struggle for many online entrepreneurs, authors, experts, and coaches. And that struggle can slow you down or stop you in your tracks. That's where my seven-day snackable story challenge comes in. Because over the course of just seven days, I'm going to give you resources and training that will not only build your skills and confidence, but will get you a tangible result at the end and assets for you to use going forward. And the best bit is that all of it is completely free. To find out more, including if you meet the criteria to participate, then go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge right now.